workers residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your households. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Our speaker today is Dr. Doug Anderson. He is a retired United Methodist clergy. He served in our appointment for 45 years. During that time, he served several growing churches of various sizes, as well as serving as a district superintendent. He also headed up a United Methodist Leadership Center. He's a member of the Academy of Spiritual Formation of the Upper Room, and he currently serves as Associate Director for Church Development for the Indiana Annual Conference. He's somebody whose wisdom I've experienced many times, and I'm looking forward to what he has to share with us today. Good morning. So glad to be here today. I get the privilege of doing what I think is one of the highest privileges any human being can do, and that is to bring God's word to God's people. And before I do that, I invite you to join me in prayer. Good and gracious and eternal God, we give you thanks for all your good gifts, but especially now the gift of your word. May it be for us once again a living word because it lives in and through our lives. Amen. One of the lessons that's important for us to learn, and hope we learn it early, is to put first things first. Now, maybe we get it from church, parents, coaches, friends, but hopefully somewhere we get that we put first things first. He just arrived, the cement was curing. He brought a load of lumber to be able to frame up the new addition. He was excited, and as he unloaded, he realized, as his neighbor approached, that the basement he poured was a full two feet over the proper line, uh, property line into his neighbor's property. Might have been a good thing to have had the property surveyed before he dug the basement. Yeah, first things first. She had a phone call from her friends. And she was excited to go over and practice their routines for cheerleading. They worked on until they got to near perfection. And then she went home and began to study for her history test. But you know how it is. The book is dull. Her eyes got heavy. She found herself waking up from sleep. She hurried and got dressed and went to school and took the test and failed the test and failed the class and was grounded from cheerleading. Hard lesson, but important. First things first. Made a comfortable living of over $100,000, but they had about $25,000 or so in credit card debt. 
They dreaded going in the mailbox because there were notices, phone calls kept coming, threats of legal action to be taken. It put a strain on the marriage. They began to sh show physical symptoms. She seemed always to have a headache. He found it hard to go to sleep. And so he decided to relieve the stress that he would order a new jacuzzi to be put in the backyard using the new Visa card they'd just gotten in the mail. And then they decided to go for financial counseling and face the painful, difficult truth that you just got to put first things first. First things first. A very important lesson to learn, and life goes so much smoother when we do that and gets so off the wheels when we don't. I mean, if the foundation isn't done well, the house will never be right. If the instrument isn't tuned, it doesn't matter the skill of the performer or the genius of the composer. It just won't sound good. Life goes better when we put first things first, and it gets awfully messed up and off course when we don't. The two of them had prepared well for the meeting they were going to have, a very important meeting. They were representing a significant charity in the community, and they were going to one of the potential key donors to ask for a contribution. They made their best pitch as they'd rehearsed it, and when they finished, the person that they were speaking to said, well, I understand why you're here. You have something you want me to contribute to, and you believe that I have the resources to be able to make a significant difference in your charity. Now, what you may not know is that I recently put my mother into a very expensive nursing home. No, we, we didn't know that. And you probably didn't know that my brother died recently and left a family of five with virtually no insurance. No, no, we of course weren't aware of that. And then you probably also didn't know that our youngest son, who's very religious, felt called to go into social work and he tries to feed his family and take care of them on a salary that's below the poverty level. No, frankly, we didn't know that as well. Well, if I don't give a penny to any of them, what makes you think I'm going to give anything to you? Well, you didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> you see, life gets awfully inward focused. Pathetic, actually if we don't put first things first. The author of Deuteronomy describes later in the book, 26th chapter, what it is that the people of God are to do once they finally arrive at the promised land they have been anticipating for 40 years. And once they get there and, and uh, sow their seed and, and begin to reap their first harvest, they are to take, get this now, 
they're to take the first fruits of that harvest to the place that God has blessed and where the priest will receive those first fruits. Now, I grew up on a farm, so I understand about first fruits. First fruits, uh, those aren't the, the half-filled-in ears of corn. Um, those aren't the ones that got blighted by the drought in August and only filled out halfway and therefore often are left either to rot or plowed under. No, no. You see, God asked for the first fruits, the best fruits, not the nubbins or the leftovers. And we're to take that as an offering, as an act of worship and gratitude to God for everything that God had done for the people of God. But they weren't to take it just like you take your utility bill to the bank and drop it off, but, but they were to stop and remember, specifically remember how God had interacted in their lives, how God had heard their cry when they were uh, enslaved in Egypt and how God had sent Moses to deliver them out of Egypt and how God had brought them to this promised land, to this land flowing with milk and honey. To remember God's faithfulness and, fa- and God's gracious giving. And then, then, bring their gifts to the altar as an act of sacrifice and worship. The same is true with us. We come today as a day of celebration of, of first fruits. And we also are asked to bring our first fruits, our best gifts to God as an act of love and joy and worship. And we are called on not just to bring our gifts, but to remember. To remember how God delivered us from sin and death, how how God walked faithfully through our own personal wilderness when we were lonely or discouraged or grieving or frustrated or felt alone and accompanied us on that journey. We are to remember that God gave us a church, a a family, to sustain us on that journey. And above all, that God has given God's own son so that we might experience love and be grabbed by hope, and be filled with hope. And when we remember all of that, then we're ready to bring our first fruits. As the author in Deuteronomy earlier in the book, and probably the most famous section of that book, writes, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, And all your might. That's why we bring our first fruits. That's why we bring our best gifts. Because it's our way of expressing to God that God is first in our life. That indeed we love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might. 
great love like that cannot simply be thought about or spoken of. It needs to take action. And so we're called to give financially of our resources a way of expressing to God our gratitude for everything that God has given to us. Great love demands our best gifts. Amen. Bill Hybels, pastor in suburban Chicago, was confronted by his wife one night who said to him that he wasn't significantly romantic enough and paid enough attention to her in their marriage. Well, he pushed back a bit. And he said, so, so are you asking me to throw my calendar aside, cancel my appointments, uh, reserve a table at a favorite restaurant, get reservations at the Hyatt Regency Hotel for that evening, show up unannounced with a bouquet of flowers to take you for an evening out. Are you saying to me that you want me to take that time and to go to that trouble just to show you where you stand with me? Oh, yes, she winked and demurred. We know it, don't we? Great love demands our best gifts. That's why we bring our first fruits today. That's why we bring to God, not the leftovers, but the best. That's why we bring our tithe, our 10% or beyond, and bring it to God. That's why we offer this morning our pledges. Because our first fruits are our best gift, which requires for a great love. It's why we give our best talents and our best gifts and our best energies to God's work, not what's left over when we're worn out and tired from doing everything else in our life. Because God requires our best gifts. Great love demands our best gifts. Mark Trotter, former pastor of First United Methodist Church in San Diego, describes a trip that he took to Nashville, Tennessee, and after he landed, he got his luggage and went out to the shuttle area to catch his shuttle to the hotel. And while he was waiting there was a group of people congregated there. Among them was a man and a woman sitting on suitcases. Now he was silent. She was anything but silent. And she was there asking everybody where they come from and where they're staying. And she chain-smoked three cigarettes back-to-back. She complained about the cold weather. And she said to anyone in earshot how she couldn't wait to get to the hotel so she could get a drink. Mark Trotter shuffled his way to the other end of the gathering. And finally, a shuttle bus arrived, and everyone got on the shuttle bus except three people. 
Mark Trotter, the woman, and her companion. You knew it was coming, didn't you? Well, she lit up another, another cigarette, zeroed on him, in on him, and fired away. Said, where are you going? Well, that's where we're going. So, you're, you're dressed pretty snazzy. You a lawyer? No, ma'am, I'm a preacher. Well, Jesus help. No, ma'am, just work for him. I love that response. She said, well, I want, you to, I want to introduce you to my friend. And he shook hands with him, and he still didn't say anything. Oh, my friend, he don't talk. Lost his voice box to cancer. But he's my best friend in the world. I love him. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for him. So we come to Nashville because he's always wanted to go to the Grand Ole Opry, and tomorrow night we have tickets front row. And then the next day I've rented a car, and we're driving to Memphis to go to Graceland. Yeah, you knew. And then we're coming back, and we're flying home. She said, I love this man. There isn't anything I wouldn't do. So preacher, as the bus stopped, if you would, pray for him. It couldn't do any good. And you have a good day too. And off they went into the night. So why does a woman take a man halfway across the country and pay all that money to do what they were going to do? Pretty simple, really. I love this man more than anyone in the world. Great love requires our best gift. Why do we come today to make our pledge? Same reason. Great love demands our best gift. You see, when we come this morning and we make our pledge, we really say several important things. First, we say that we love God more than anyone else. Amen? And second, we say to the world, you know, this stuff we have, this money we have, it's not the most important thing. It doesn't define me, and it doesn't own me, and I give it willingly. It also, when we make our pledge, it's a reminder of the way that God has been an intimate part of our life journey, how God has sustained us and guided us and strengthened us and forgiven us and walked faithfully with us. Those are all the important things that we say when we fill out that pledge. But most of all, we are saying, I love the Lord my God 
with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength and all my That's why I put first things first. Because great love demands my best gift. So my only question I'm going to ask you, with which I'll close this message, is does your friend represent your best Because a great love demands your best gift. Thanks be to God.